Hello and welcome to Season 3 of The Century Plan, a podcast that looks at financial independence, how to achieve it and how to maintain it during a lifetime that may see people retiring today living to age 100. Hosted by me, Dennis Hall, Chartered Financial Planner and owner of Yellowtail Financial Planning. And me, Sarah Steele, Operations Director at Yellowtail and Technical Controller on this podcast, here to ask questions on behalf of you, our listeners. Welcome to episode three of season three of The Century Plan. How are you today, Dennis? I'm fine. You seem like you've been very busy. I have been very busy. Out of one meeting into another and now into here. And now the podcast. Raring to go. Good. I'm glad to hear it. Okay, so last time we talked about how much money we need to retire. We talked about your number and not your number, Dennis, but your number, our listeners. Someone's number. Someone's number. Um... And how to calculate an indication of what that number might be and the types of ways we can achieve that number and build our retirement pot. Did we call those hacks or have I read that somewhere else? I don't think we called them hacks. Oh, good. (laughs) (laughs) You probably read that somewhere else, but I think that word is used quite a lot. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, so we know that financial planning is going to be essential for the people who have got complex financial situations and who are thinking about their retirement planning um, and they need advice around managing their assets to achieve the retirement they desire. But the thing is, we need to understand those costs. I mean, after all, it's one of the first questions you get asked, I'm sure, when you speak to someone. Every, every initial meeting, how much is this going to cost me? Yeah, exactly. Sometimes not quite that blunt, but yes. (laughs) Well, it's an important question. It is very important. And we'll all know that if we've searched for a financial planner online, then there's there's a variety of ways in which they charge. Um, We'll see fixed fees, hourly rates, fees fees based on assets under management. But, you know, how do these work? So let's talk about that today, shall we? Let's give it a go. All right. Let's start with hourly rates, because I think that's probably quite self-explanatory. But how do these work, Dennis? Well, I think if you've gone to other professions, solicitors, accountants, they have typically, and it's changing, but they have typically charged an hourly rate. You know, you go in there and say, how long is this work going to take me? Five hours, and this is what my hourly rate is. And it it's feels and sounds clean, although I've worked in an accountancy practice in, in, in the past, and Actually, I think accountants themselves hate hourly rates and their clients hate hourly rates. But it's, it, it, you know, because you always get to the end of a piece of work and say, did it really take that long? You can't, you know, unless you're sat in front of the accountant, you dismiss all the hours that they're billing you for um, if you weren't there. Yeah. And so there's always a bit of bartering going on and there's always a bit of, um, well, seemingly, someone's writing off a bit of work here and there. I don't think anyone really likes hourly rates. Really? Because I know you've talked about it before in terms of Oh, I think us. they appear mm. clean. I mean, yeah. it's a very clean way of charging. But again, you, there's that, I suppose maybe it comes down to trust. Are they overbilling me? What is an appropriate hourly rate? You know, we've seen that rate can be anywhere between... £60 for an administrator, £400 for a a chartered financial planner, depending where they live. What is an appropriate hourly rate? It it just becomes another question, doesn't it? 
Okay. So how many hours is it going to take me? How many hours at that rate? How many hours at that rate? It's, I'm not sure it's, you know, we might think it's clean, yeah. but I'm not sure it answers all of the questions. It's a methodology for charging. Yeah. Um, and in a way you're almost, well, I'm not entirely sure if it's a barrier to somebody seeking advice. Because if, if you're working with, with an advisor and, they're, and you've got a question and you might think, well, I'll just ring him up. Yeah. And then you think, well, no, I'm not going to ring him up because he's yeah. going to put the stopwatch on, isn't he? And he's going to get billed. And is he going to bill me for a whole hour, even if I've spoken to him for 15 minutes? Yes, but we, well, we can pretty much say that's not going to be the case. Is it? So, I mean, I think well, we can say that. But, but, you know, the person at the other end of the phone is, you know, <laughs> no, get the terms well, and conditions to, to out. To reassure people, I think, that, you know, and a lot of people would know that those go in sort of, tranches of minutes don't they so they do you yes. don't just phone someone up and then they go right you've got one minute into your next hour so that's another hour that i charge you yeah so. or you're looking at the clock and say we're charging six minute increments and you're rushing through the question and you don't get the chance to say how are you today how's you know that some of that is not padding it's just right. settling into it i think it's a barrier but i have to say that this wasn't the way i was expecting this conversation to go <laughs> Well, I know, is, I yeah, it's I mean, exciting. I like the concept of hourly rates. <laughs> right. I just think in practice, there are unintended consequences. If yes. somebody's at the other side is saying, every minute of this conversation is costing me X pounds, so can we just keep it to business, please? Okay, well, let's just, let's just imagine that the hourly rate service is, you know, working. Um, yeah. And we don't have any of those concerns about it. If I was a client going to see someone who was charging hourly rates, what, what can I expect? What do I a get? A bill. It's going to be hard work today, isn't it? <laughs> no, it's not. No, no. I mean, look, you're going to get... I think hourly rates work for relatively simple pieces of work okay. or finite pieces of work, almost transactional. Yeah. I mean, you probably can't remember. You won't be old enough to remember when you would go in and take your car for a service and they would bill you by the hour plus parts. Can you no, remember that? No. no. Oh, I can remember that because, you know. And then I think they notice that nobody wants to bring their car in for a service or they're questioning. Now, most manufacturers are saying, well, we're going to go to fixed fees. This is a segue into fixed fees, isn't it? Yeah, it seems so. But don't let's get there yet. No, all right then. <laughs> okay, I'll save that analogy for later. Yeah. I, I think the hourly rates can be good, I think, for simple pieces of work or where you're not quite sure how long it's going to take, you might not be able to fix it. Okay. Um, but nobody really likes this open-ended commitment. It's probably the person who wants to dip into financial planning from time to time and say, look, I've got another piece of work. I don't know whether it's going to take five or ten hours, but, but I don't want to be committed to you for the rest of my life. Thank you very much. Can we just get a bit of work done? You know, I'll pay you for the hours that it takes and then goodbye, I'm on my way again and, and I'll come back later. So you could say they'd be more applicable to a financial advisor yeah. rather than a financial planner, based on what we've said about the differences between the two before. It could be. And, and, and also probably the DIY person who's yeah. kind of, you know, I just need a bit of steering yeah. in the right direction here, a bit of technical work, and then I'm, I'm going to take all that away and off I go and, and do it myself. All right. Okay. I feel like we need to just move on then from hourly rates. Yeah, I've moved on. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> look at another way of charging, which is actually a way that we tend to approach it, which is the fixed fee model. 
Son, I get back to the car servicing analogy. Go on then, I'll make Well, it is. No, but if you take your car in for a service, which service do you want? We know how long it's going to take us. Is it an oil change? Is it a this? Is it a that? Is it a something else? You know, and, and here's, you know, we do financial planning for yeah. people who come on, and we generally know how long that's going to take us, depending on the complexity of the person in front of us or their situation. So we can say, look, unless we've misread the situation, I think this financial planning exercise and the work that you've asked us to do is probably going to take us between, you know, 10 and 15 hours. Um, but I'll cap it essentially, or I'll just fix the fee here. We're going to do a financial planning exercise, or we're going to do a pension transfer exercise, or a consolidation exercise, or something else. Here's my fixed fee. And broadly, it's going to be about right. Okay, all right. So... Um, really, by the time you've had a first meeting with your financial planner, you ought to know. You should be pretty clear about how much this work is going to cost you, this first piece of planning work. Yeah, I mean, I was having a, I mean, I've had a couple of meetings recently. I had a meeting yesterday with somebody relatively simple at the beginning of their accumulation journey, but needed some clarity. And I'm saying, well, this kind of work... It's probably going to cost £1,500 to get this work done. And at the end of which you should have everything you need to either go away and execute this yourself or you can come back to him and ask me to do it. But you've got everything. The couple I met today, completely different than the other end of their, you know, they're just about to approach retirement, they've got complex situation, and we're saying, well, the work to understand what we need to be doing is probably going to cost between four and £5,000. And neither of those clients, although the, the, um, the amounts are different, neither of those clients sort of fell off the chair in shock. They're no. kind of saying... That seems about right, and and what I like is there's some comfort around knowing what it's going to cost me. You've described very well mm. what you're going to do for me. You've described very well what the output is going to look like. And what I like about this, and, and, and they both said it in, in words of, or in slightly different ways, is that you're not expecting me. This is not dependent on how much money I've got. Yeah. This is not a, a, neither do I have to give you my money to manage in order for you to get paid. I, mm. If I want the, if I want to, I can go away and do this myself. What I'm coming to you for initially is that strategy work. Yeah. And we've mentioned that before. I'm a financial planner. I'm delivering financial strategies. And depending on the complexity of your situation, I know broadly how much time it's going to spend and how much it's going to cost you. Okay. So there shouldn't be any surprises, but I know that you've spoken to people who have found that not to be the case. Well, there should be no surprises with fees if you're engaging. Yeah. Um, but I think if, you, if you're if you using a different model, um, which is almost almost dependent on, them, on somebody investing money through your firm's products, and, and they're and you don't know what all of those charges are. You know, it's a big, this vertical structure. There's an advice cost, there's a product cost, there's a fund management fee cost, all of those things. Actually, you want some visibility on all of that because if you have to buy the whole thing to get the, um, you know, if you buy the whole thing to get the advice, actually, you're not really separating the advice out from the product, are you? No. Okay. And that's the conversation I had with somebody yesterday. They said, well, I was going in there for some advice. And this, you know, this one of the country's largest wealth managers 
I was going there for advice and they were saying it's going to cost X. And I said, but by the time I've, but you're telling me I've got to buy these products and by the time we look at all of those charges, it's twice as much as you said it was. And that's not transparent. No, that isn't transparent. Um, so fixed fees should be, as they say on the tin, fixed and you know what you're getting. Uh, but you did touch on there on the fact that you know some people might do the planning and as you say, they don't have to give you the money they can go away and do it themselves. But other people, and quite a lot of people that we work with, want us to help them with that. And they want to have an ongoing relationship with us. And I think that's when we get on to ongoing fees, which may be based on a different fee structure, like their assets under management. So let's talk about how that works. Well, I'll take just a, one step back, if I, if I can, because there's, a, there's an intermediate fee, that bit where you, and you mentioned it, implementation. Yeah. When we're doing work for people, I think there are three distinct phases that we've got as financial planners, and I don't think that's dissimilar if you go across firms like ours, is that the financial planning is, should, should be a standalone distinct part, and at the end of that, there is a plan, and in that plan are some recommendations and instructions about what to do. And if you are a DIY investor or a competent individual, and you say, well, all I need was the guidance, thanks for the plan, I'm out of here and I'm doing it all myself, that's fine. But a lot of those people say, well, I've come to you because actually you could probably get this done quicker than me. You've got relationships. I might not necessarily be looking for an ongoing relationship, but could you just get me in a position where, I could, you know, because I'm busy doing something else, this just up and runs. So there's an implementation cost. And that, I think, is where perhaps an hourly rate comes in or another fixed fee. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I know. I'm just, just having poo-pooed hourly rates yeah, earlier. Right. Sometimes it can be. You just say, well, this is, this is going to take us three hours. But I don't know because we're dealing with um, you know, old-fashioned life company. And, it, and if we have to go backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards, we don't know how long it's going to take. Sometimes there's, there's, there's a lot of work there. So that could fit an hourly rate or a fixed fee. Okay. But then that phase three is saying, but, you know, it's the, you know, that plan. We need to revisit the plan. Because the plan itself, um, it doesn't last very long. No. The, 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 the work changing. that we constantly change, the government come along, you can put a plan in place with all the assumptions, the government come along tomorrow and change the rules on pensions, tax rates change, suddenly the world goes into meltdown, stock markets fall, inflation rises, all things can happen to say, well, that plan is no longer the right plan. What we have, though, is the infrastructure of the planning and we can start pulling different levers to see what the effect of that would be. What are you going to do to react to the market conditions now? So if people want to revisit the planning on a, on a fairly regular basis, yeah. at least annually. Mm -hmm. And so there's a cost for doing that. And sometimes you may also be managing the money. Now, we happen to think that money management should be very low cost. That's, that's the thing that we do. We want very low cost index tracker kind of funds, a very simple buy and hold. I know there are other planners out there that have a different approach. So they may have another charge on top for that sort of more active, I call it speculative management, but that's just my view. <laughs> so um, there, so there's, there, yeah, there could be two elements of costs, planning, management, administration, all of those things. And there, is, and there is 
a couple of ways of charging for that, mm -hmm. I think was the question. Was that the question that you were asking? That was the question, yeah. How do yeah. you charge for that ongoing work? Or how do people charge for that ongoing work? You I should know, know me do. by now, I know Sarah. how we do. <laughs> I go around the houses. <laughs> so I think typically, and until fairly recently, the, the most common way of charging was a percentage of someone's assets under management. Yeah. And we've still got quite a lot of clients who will pay a, a, a percentage or a fraction of a percent of assets under management, which we cap at a certain amount and tier down. Sorry, mm -hmm. at, a, at a certain level, we then tier down. So mm -hmm. we might, for example, charge anywhere between 0.65 or 1% on the first million and then drop it to 0.35. Yeah. That would be our structure. And then when it gets to a certain amount, we put a cap on that and charge no more. Um, that's one way of doing it. And people like that, yeah. actually. Yeah. Um, because I know we used to charge, we used to charge fixed fees in bands. You know, if you have half a million invested with us, it will cost you X. If you have a million invested, it will cost you Y. If you have two million invested, it will cost you Z. Mm. Um, but and 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 for which you will then write out a check every year or whatever. Mm. People didn't like the visibility of writing no, out that they check. Don't. No. They really said, oh, you know, where I've been before, Dennis, it, it's much simpler. To, for you to take the money from the investments and charge a, a percentage. Yeah. As long as I know what it is, yeah. I'm comfortable with it. It needs to be visible enough at outset, but I don't want to see it on a regular basis because spending money on something you can't touch and touch see and yeah. is painful. Yeah. No, well, I understand that. I think we've talked about that before. I think we have on a podcast. Yeah. So... Um, it is a very popular, very common. We are, though, ourselves and, and some of the firms that I know are moving or have moved away to fixed fees for annual, annual work that is not related directly to the amount of money that they have invested. Obviously, the more money you've got, typically the more complex your affairs, so that fixed fee does increase. Depending on size and complexity, so there is some relationship to yeah. assets under management, but it's not a direct fixed relationship no. to assets under management. Okay, okay, all right. So those feel like the two main ways of charging for that ongoing work. Yeah, and occasionally the hourly rate person. Yeah. <laughs> but honestly, they, they, I, know, I know if they dare. <laughs> <laughs> Well, th no, there are some very, very successful financial planning firms out there that only charge on hourly rates. Mm, I know. But the clients that I've spoken to, the people that we work with, would prefer not to do that. Yeah. Some of them do, but not many. No. Okay. All right. So we, those are the fees that I think apply to the finan financial planner. So when you come and see a financial planner, we can say... These are the types of fees that we charge. This is how we charge them. But there are other fees involved when you do this kind of work that don't come directly from the planner, sort of that could kind of be seen as hidden costs. They're not as obvious. What what else do we need to be aware of? We, I, I described it earlier as a, a vertical structure. If if you're making investments in an ideal world, you'd pay no fees at all. Yeah. But that doesn't happen. There's no. friction. There is cost. So. Somewhere in there are regulatory costs, mm -hmm. and they arrive at various levels. You know, each fund manager has got its own sort of regulatory costs. So you're not going to, you're not going to escape fund management fees. You're not going to escape the underlying regulatory fees. You have got 
platforms so most people yeah. want to view their investments on screen so there's the technology cost there are custody fees there are trading fees if you're buying and selling some firms make their money just on the trading costs so all of those things combined are a drag on that investment performance yeah and the advice fees yeah but actually i'm finding i'm finding that with technology that some of those fees you know the large part of, of fees used to be technology and fund management costs now that you've been able to really strip those back through you know, just better technology yes. and um, I suppose pressure on fund managers and the, the move to, uh, towards indexation, the advice fees then tend to stick out like a sore thumb as mm. being the expensive part of the process. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I do think good advisors are worth their money, uh, but it is worth questioning yeah. what is the value that you're getting from your advisor. Well, and that was, that was going to be my next question. You know, particularly if you feel that you're doing quite well at managing your money yourself. Uh, you know, and a lot of people do do it very well. Is it worth paying for a financial planner? Uh, well, I suppose you've, it depends, doesn't it? How much of it can you do? Yeah. How much of it can you do... I suppose dispassionately. I think the problem with our own money is that we're emotionally attached to mm. it and we come with biases and so we, we apply those to our own money and perhaps they they get amplified. If I'm if I'm dealing with my own money, I approach it slightly differently than if I'm dealing with somebody else's. Because I'm not emotionally attached to their money. Mm. I can step back and look at it dispassionately mm. I'm, I'm more involved with the person than I am with their money whereas I'm very involved with my money yes <laughs> <laughs> but um, all joking aside you know if you're talking to a financial planner who has years of experience in the financial planning world then you know what what value can that bring well I think I can shortcut a lot of the decision-making process I have had thousands upon thousands of conversations Mm. about money and I tend to work with people of a similar type of of wealth complexity and such like and there's something about the wisdom of the crowds if I'm having conversations with one person and we we're chewing the fat about this thing where where you can see my hands are moving now I'm gesticulating Um, and we're we're looking at the ramifications of, of doing something and I have a similar conversation with somebody else and a similar conversation with somebody else. It's part of that is the wisdom of the crowd. Yep. We're going to get to what probably feels like the right answer for most people. And we're going to get there quicker. Yep. I'm not saying you won't get there on your own. But I've, had, I've probably had all of those conversations mm. before. Yep. And can tell you how people like you think and act. Okay. Also, I am not going to be swayed by the guy down the pub or my best friend who said well you should be doing this or you should be doing that um, because it happens to suit them and fits their thought processes away internally we're probably we could be wired completely different and and it's not going to work for us we might not have that tolerance for volatility that some people have so I think there's that emotional there's the shortcutting there's also the fact that my technical knowledge should be should be better. Yeah. 
actually. Yeah. You know, I spend a lot of time. I've, I've you know, um, my peer group are all financial planners as well. We talk about this all the time. We are going to probably quicker than most get to the nub of changes in legislation and try and get those acted on quite quickly. Yeah. And I've been through lots of market cycles Mm. that if someone phones me up and saying the market's gone down, it's going down, what should I do? My response is, we've been here before, sit tight, hold on. If you're on your own, you might be tempted to try and time the market. And we know through the academic research that you might get that right once, but you're not going to consistently get that right. Consistently, active managers don't get it right. No. They underperform yeah. their respective markets and that the number of them or percentage of them that underperform increases over time. Yeah. So if you're invested for the long term and you need you might need a planner just to keep you from making mistakes. Yeah. There's huge value in that. Yeah. Huge value. Okay. I think that's a very good argument. Oh, it's the only one I've got, Sam. <laughs> uh. Good, that's a good one. All right. Well, I think we'll I think we've covered fees, and I think we'll we'll leave it there. Um, but only to say that to our listeners to look out for the next episode, where we've got a very special guest. Oh, you've been working really hard, haven't you, Sarah? Getting <laughs> um, getting people more interesting than me. Um. <laughs> well, I thought it had Onto to. Onto the po- podcast. <laughs> well, honestly, I can I can read you. Um. <laughs> No, uh, no. Just thought it would be nice to hear from other people who share the same views and who have the same philosophy, and who are talking about it. Well, in this case, in other countries. In other countries, yeah. In, in other and bringing parts their perspective. The yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's going to be a very interesting one. So do look out for it. It is going to be a good one. I'm looking yeah. forward to that. 